0: Welcome everybody to Their Stories Everywhere with Alidria Hurt. Hey there, story fiends. We're at it again. We're still in the seven weeks of sleigh, And this week, we have another story for you with Samantha Dunway Bryant. And she's going to tell us her story.
1: So hi, everybody. I'm Samantha Bryant. Um, I am best known for writing the Menopausal Superhero series, which, as it sounds, is a series of novels and novellas about women of a certain age who find themselves with superheroic problems. And um, those are available through Falstaff Books. But I also write a variety of short fiction. One of the things I love about writing for anthologies is the chance to splash around in a new pool you know try out a different kind of writing and see what I think of writing in that genre without the commitment that a full novel is so I'm very excited to be a part of Slay and very excited about my story in it awesome you told me to mention where people can find me so if they want to look me up they can find me at samanthabryant.com or you could just google Samantha Bryant author because so far as I can tell I'm the only one
0: Awesome, and if you'll tell us your story.
1: Excellent, so my story is called His Destroyer, and I'm gonna read um, a page or two of it. When Um. Dieny Hatiri closed her eyes on the pain of the beating she had earned by birthing a girl child again, she never expected to open them. Her end had come and she fell into darkness, praying that the daughter she had born would be allowed to live. That her life might offer a greater chance at happiness or that god might welcome them both in peace when she woke she was wrapped for burial thin cloth bound her obscuring her vision no one sat with her body so when she freed herself from the rough matting no one witnessed her rise to her feet or saw her walk out into the darkness burial cloth dangling from her like a tattered cape in the abandoned streets Evidence of great destruction spread. Burnt out hulls of dwellings crawled with locusts and broken pots littered the streets. The hatiri's eyes widened with dismay. What had happened here? Had the city been attacked? Maybe it was good that she'd been mistaken for dead. It might have saved her life. The city was so altered that she was no longer sure which direction would lead to her home so she made her way toward the river instead. Though the sky was moonless and devoid of stars, she had little trouble making her way. As if the ground were illuminated, each stone and pit of the pathway stood out clearly, and she made her way without stumbling. The night air cooled and soothed her skin. As she walked down the hill to the river, she noticed how good she felt, strong, full of energy, Though her last memory was of a beating from the overseer of the woman's house, her body moved easily and freely without stiffness or pain. Despite her near nudity, she was not cold. Her only physical discomfort was a hollow, hungry feeling. She worried more for her daughter, confused about what had happened to her. At the bottom of the long hill that led to the Great Nile River, she could see a pillar of light, white and swirling long enough that it seemed to stretch from the earth to the heavens and perhaps beyond. Something about it filled her with joy and fear at the same time, and she hurried toward the the terrible glory, even while part of her trembled to think what she might find when she arrived. Her bare feet padded against the ground soundlessly, the rough stone barely noticeable. She knew the distance to be great. She had struggled down the hill laden with burdens often enough. But tonight the journey slipped by as quickly as a dance. In what seemed only a moment, she arrived at the gently lapping bank of the river. The column of light still shone. Up close it flickered as though made of flame, but a white flame that offered no heat. Blue tendrils spiraled within. Though the column seemed to rise from the dark waters, it was not reflected in their depths. The Hatiri bent and dipped her fingers into the warm water and raised them to her face to cleanse the street dust from her skin. When she uncovered her face, the column of light burned mere inches from her. She fell back onto her bottom, grunting in surprise. A voice spoke, an impossible voice. that was both a battle cry and a soothing whisper, both male and female, both in the air and vibrating within her own chest. My destroyer, it said. The Inihatiri shivered, though she was unaffected by any chill. Laying her hands upon her heart, she noticed that she could not feel it beating. She scuttled like a crab, backing away from the light, her face wet with tears she had not realized she was crying. Somewhere within, she understood, though her mind still rebelled against the idea. A warmth bloomed in her chest, and the Enihatiri who had risen to her knees collapsed against the earth, pinned there by overwhelming grief. She heard no more words, but the voice spoke directly to her heart, filling her with sad duty. She understood. All the attempts to help Pharaoh understand, all the chances he had been given to do what was right, all these had failed, and the worst of punishments would now have to be dealt. She was to be the instrument. And that's where I'll stop.
0: That's fantastic. Thank so you. So I, I hear undertones in it, but I'm not going to assume. <laughs> so where did that come from?
1: So um, I would say it came from my grandmother. <laughs> Um, my grandmother was the person who was most interested in my religious upbringing as I was a child and, um, she herself was terrifying and so were the stories that she told the, um, and the, the God that I grew up with scared me. You know, it was definitely the vengeful Old Testament God, um, which makes sense, of course, given that my family is Jewish, but, um, this story in particular, which comes from the 10 plagues of Egypt, always just hurt me at the core. Um, and I, I was always so disturbed by the idea that Pharaoh would be punished by killing all the children, all these firstborn children, that the children would have to pay. And so that's, that's kind of where the, the story began from. And when I got the, when I saw the call for this anthology and it was looking for vampire stories set in the African diaspora, I thought maybe this is the right way to tell this is to, because the story as I learned it as a child does not tell you who God's destroyer was or how exactly they went about their work. And so this was my fictional opportunity to explore who that might've been and how it might've gone.
0: Wow, that is amazing. Now, once again, for those of us who are just joining us, we are in the seven weeks of Slay, Slay Stories of the Vampire Noir, which is available coming out on October 13th. If you haven't pre-ordered your copy, go ahead and get that pre-order in before it comes out. And, Samantha, tell us again where we can find you so that we can sample other pieces of your work.
1: Sure. Um, My author website is samanthabryant.com. And um, that's a good place to start. If you're more of a social media person, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter as at Samantha B. Writer. That's just the letter B in the middle, short for Bryant. Um, And I'm also on Facebook under Samantha Dunaway Bryant, because on Facebook, there was already a Samantha Bryant.
0: Ah, Well, it's been a pleasure to have you, and Story Fiends, if you haven't got your copy of Slay, get a copy of Slay, because there is some amazing work inside. So I hope you all have yourselves a good night. Good night, Story Fiends.